Holy shit. Is it Halloween already? I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ninja Nerd Warrior podcast. I am your host, Greg Hernandez, and it is Halloween weekend. Now, I know it's been quite a few weeks until I did my last show, and normally I would apologize for that, but I think we're past that, don't you? One thing about my show is it is consistently inconsistent. Yeah, I had planned on doing a show every week during October like I did last year, but damn it, uh, we were all under quarantine last year. I didn't have shit else to do. I actually had to work this year. I had to work, and my, my job refuses to fire me. Fuckers. Yeah, they, they refuse. They absolutely refuse to fire me, so shit. Anyway, God, it there has been so much. So much has happened, and you know what? I'm just going to dive right in. Um, the AEW investigation is finally wrapped up. Yeah, the investigation into the Media Scrum Melee is now finished, and... I'm not fully in agreement with the results. Okay, clearly, clearly the results are that it has been deemed that Kenny Omega and the Bucks were the good guys and CM Punk was the prick. Whether you agree with that or not, you're welcome to your opinion. I'm not saying I completely agree with it, but on Dynamite last week, we had a video package showing Omega and the Bucks and from what I heard, they were backstage. They were back. They were saying hi. They were talking to people. And CM Punk is negotiating a buyout for his contract. So one could assume that Kenny and the Bucks were found to be in the right and CM Punk was found to be in the wrong. One could assume that. I don't, but here's why. Here's what I'm talking about. Okay. CM Punk has a history of telling his employer to go fuck themselves. He does. Let's face it. That's why that's one of the reasons we all love him. He is not afraid to tell his boss, you can shove it up your ass. Kenny and the Bucks are executive vice presidents. Now, this comes down to employees versus independent contractors. It is much harder to get rid of management than it is to get rid of an independent contractor. Now, here's why I don't necessarily agree with the simple, simple conclusion that Kenny and, Kenny and the Bucks were right, Punk was wrong. Here's why I don't agree with that. Because, yes, CM Punk is a independent contractor. Yes, CM Punk threw the first punch. That has not been disputed at all. But, I don't care if he is an independent contractor. If he started a fucking riot at a show, you fire him. You let him out of his contract. You terminate the contract. You don't negotiate a buyout. The only reason, the only business reason to negotiate a buyout is so that he does not sue you. Because let's say Punk started this whole thing, all right? And you terminate the contract, you say, get the fuck out of here. He turns around and sues, and if he is found to be 
at fault. If he is the reason why this whole thing started, that lawsuit doesn't go anywhere. It goes absolutely nowhere. There is no judge in the country that is going to say, well, you know, this." I, I realize this guy started a fight at the backstage at a show, but you still owe him the, re the remainder of his contract. No, no, that does not happen, okay? Because this guy committed assault. Assault is a felony. So you don't get to commit assault and keep the rest of your contract. So the fact that they are negotiating a buyout tells me that Punk wasn't 100% wrong, the Bucks and Omega weren't 100% right, but giving him the rest of his contract and basically paying him to stay home is is basically an exchange for not suing them. Like, CM Punk has demonstrated that he does not need wrestling. He loves wrestling, I'm sure, but he has proven that he doesn't need it. He'll go off and do other things. He left the WWE seven years ago and he went out and he did MMA. Now, whether he was successful at it or not, he did it. So as opposed to the guys who talk about it and don't actually do shit, Punk actually went and did it. He went and he wrote a few story arcs for Marvel. He actually was, was the writer on Thor for a few story arcs. He went out and did movies. He doesn't need wrestling. So if he was in a situation where the Bucks and Omega and there was just no way that the four of them were going to coexist in the locker room, it doesn't surprise me that Punk said, fuck it, I'm out of here. But at the same time, Punk was signed to a contract for X amount of millions of dollars. Let's not pretend that that, that contract was not in the high seven, maybe eight figures. Let's not pretend. Okay. So, Punk would say, fine, I don't want to be here with these fucking guys, but you still owe me this. And Tony Khan goes, okay, tell you what, we're going to pay you X amount of percentage of your contract to go home and stay home as long as you don't sue us. On the other hand, Kenny and the Bucks are executive vice presidents, and it is very hard to get rid of upper management unless they basically killed somebody. So this was, this strikes me as a compromise. This strikes me as you can't really say one person or one side was 100% right, one side was 100% wrong. You can't say that. So I'm, I'm reading between the lines and I'm going, this was the only move Tony Khan could make. It really was. You let the Bucks and you let Omega come back. Punk doesn't want to come back obviously, or else he wouldn't be negotiating a buyout. So fuck it. Pay him off. Let him go somewhere else. All right? Let him go do other things. Let him go write comics. Let him go back to MMA. Do whatever. Like, Punk is the guy that taught all of us that if you're not happy where you're at, fucking leave and find something else that makes you happy. So that's what this strikes me as. Now, the question becomes... What's Punk going to do now? I'm, I honestly do not think he's going back to WWE. I don't. I really don't. I know there's going to be a lot of these fucking WWE marks who are like, oh, he's going back. He's coming back. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember the interview seven years ago? Do you not remember? Here, let me play it for you. I, I said a lot of shit in there. Uh, I, I told him again, and, and, you know, and Hunter, Hunter was gritting his teeth, and I knew, hey, I mean, he never, he never liked me. 
It's one of those situations where you always hear the stories in the dirt sheets about, oh, Hunter says this about punk and else negative stuff. But me and him in a room together, never any good vibes. Always negative. The way he would always look sideways at me, the way he always treated me. For for instance, a simple courtesy call. Hey, that is the European tour. You can't do the movie. We're going to have Randy do it. But he thought he didn't have to do that because I was a piece of shit. Now, exactly what about that says Punk is going back to WWE? Seriously, level with me. What about that makes you think this fucking guy who doesn't need the money, he absolutely does not need the money, is going back to WWE, okay? It's not 2014 anymore. WWE is not the only game in town. Are they the biggest game in town? Fuck yeah, they are. And they're gonna be for the foreseeable future, okay? I'm a huge AEW fan. AEW is not making more money than WWE within the next 10 years. They're just not. Is WWE the biggest game in town? Fuck yes, they are. Are they the only game in town? Fuck no. What is, let's, let's say, hypothetically, let's say hypothetically Punk is not done with wrestling. Because at this point, if I've been fucked over by the two biggest promotions in the U.S., I'd be like, fuck this shit, I'm done. All right? I'm going to go start a fucking garden somewhere. I don't know. But let's say, hypothetically, that Punk is not done with wrestling. What is going to keep him from picking up a phone and calling Ghetto and be like, hey, uh, you got a New Japan show coming up pretty soon, right? How would you like CM Punk on your New Japan show? Because Punk can do that. All right. If Punk doesn't want to wrestle for the money, if if the money is no longer an issue, because let's face it, he's getting a shit ton for uh, buying out for them buying out his contract. The fucking guy can go wrestle for the NWA. He, he we could see him on NWA Power. I mean, let's face it. It's not 2014. There's a shit ton of wrestling out there. The fucking guy might show up on GCW. Well, isn't GCW negotiating with WWE? All right, so maybe not a GCW show. But he doesn't need the money. The fucking guy can go do indies if he wanted to. Uh, let's. He can go to Europe. He can go anywhere because wrestling is bigger than it's been in my lifetime. I would say wrestling is probably bigger than it's been since the Territory Days as far as number of places to work. Territory days, obviously, there weren't as many national products, so he's not going to be on TV as much, but fuck that. Who cares? For somebody, and again, I don't want to come across like I know CM Punk. I don't. Never met the fucking guy in my life. This is all speculation. But if you love wrestling enough and money's no longer an issue, then why not just, hey, I'm going to go to Japan for three months. I'm going to go work down in Mexico. Fuck, I might show up on Impact just... To say I did, why not? Okay, I can tell you right now, if I won the lottery, or whatever, dead relative leaves me a shit ton of money, if I no longer have to worry about my bills, I call up promoters and I'd be like, hey, can I come work for you for free? Like, don't pay me, don't pay my transportation, I'll I'll cover all that shit myself, and I'll just come in and have a fucking great time. Like, that's just me. That's if, again, if money is no object, and you're wrestling for the sheer love of it, why wouldn't you do that? So anyway, I'm just going to close out this segment by saying, you know what? Good luck to CM Punk. Um, whatever you plan on doing, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to make you a lot happier than, you know, fucking being in that, being in a locker room that made you miserable. Good luck to Kenny and the Bucks. Cause I don't see AEW going anywhere anytime soon. 
um, the Warner Brothers Discovery merger, one thing you've learned is that they're looking they're they have big plans for AEW in the future. So AEW is going to be around for a long time, and I'm sure that's going to piss a lot of people off. So good luck all around, and to all the wrestling fans, let's just fucking enjoy what we got, okay? Now that that bullshit's out of the way, I... All right, it is October. It is Halloween weekend. I spent way too much time talking about wrestling. Let's talk about some fun horror shit. How many have seen Terrifier? I just, again, I'm late to the game on everything. I, I am I am Mr. Late to the Party on fucking everything. I just saw the first Terrifier. I was about to watch uh, Terrifier. I wanted to watch Terrifier 1 and Terrifier 2 back to back when I realized Terrifier 2 is in theaters and it's not on streaming, and I felt like a dumb shit. Terrifier, oh my god. Such a great movie. For those of you who have never seen this movie, stop this right now and go watch it. Here, I will help you out. Terrifier is available on the Roku channel. It's on Voodoo Free. It's on Tubi, Redbox, Crackle, and Plex. Those are all streaming services for free. You can watch this movie. Okay, I'm going to tangent here real quick. Download the Just Watch app. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. Just Watch, it is a a free app on your phone. You can put in any movie, any TV show, and it will tell you what streaming service that movie or TV show is on, if it's on any at all. So you, I have not, I, why am I not getting paid for this plug? Motherfuckers. Anyway, this app has never failed me. You, I'm looking for a movie. It will tell me what streaming service it is on and I will, I can find it. It's, I, I own I have every streaming service on the planet. So if I can't find a movie, it's not streaming. So, hey, just watch. Um, sponsorship. Just just saying. Anyway. But Terrifier, like I said, it is on. Here, I'll give you those again. It is on. Uh, oh, I forgot one. Fubu. Fubo. Fubo. Yes, that's not free. But Roku. Voodoo for free. Uh, Tubi. Redbox. Crackle. And Plex. You can check out Terrifier. Oh my god. This movie almost broke me. It was great. Terrifier is a slasher flick. It is a low-budget slasher flick that gives us a brand new, what I consider a new iconic horror movie monster. Like, we know Freddy. We know Jason. Michael Myers. Jigsaw. We know all that bullshit. Let's welcome Art the Clown to the party. Can, can we do that? Art the Clown is one creepy fuck. Art the Clown is the... I don't know. The actor has to be at least 6'2", 6'3", 93 pounds. Like, he's just this tall, lanky fucker. And the way the makeup is done, he's just creepy as shit. The way Terrifier starts is you have the two hot chicks coming out of a Halloween party. They're drunk as shit, so you know they're dead. And they get to their car because they're promoting drunk driving. I'm kidding. Don't get all pissed off at me. But we've all seen those chicks. Both of them are drunk as shit. They're fighting over the keys because I guess whoever wins and gets to drive home, she's the lesser drunk of the two. I don't know. They cannot hold on to their keys. They seriously are fighting for the keys. They keep dropping them, and they happen to look over, and in the alley is Art the Clown, just standing there in his black and white suit with the face paint and the dot on the nose just looking creepy as all fuck 
And they get creeped out all to shit, which they should. And so they decide, oh, one of them, the brunette, the hot brunette, is she's creeped out. The drunker blonde is flirting with him. She's flirting with the guy who looks like a serial killer. That's how drunk this bitch is. And the brunette is, no, calm down, stop, stop. She's like, you know, she knows this guy's going to kill them. Like, it's like she read the script or something. She knew this guy was going to kill her. And then all of a sudden, Art disappears. It's that, it's the, it is the stereotypical, like, hey, they look at their feet, they look up, and Art disappeared. That's, that's every slasher flick ever. They decide that maybe he wasn't there. Maybe they're just so drunk they thought he was there. Folks, I have been blackout drunk. I have never been drunk enough to hallucinate. That is not a thing. Concussions will make you hallucinate. Certain drugs will make you hallucinate. Alcohol has never fucking made me hallucinate. But they swore they saw a tall, scrawny clown in the alley, so they decide to go get pizza. They're too drunk to drive, so they walk to get pizza. They're sitting there, they're having their pizza, and Art the Clown walks in. And at no point did they go, oh, wait, shit, he's real? Like, they never did. They just looked at him, and the brunette, I cannot remember her name right now because I watched the movie two weeks ago. Super hot, though. Oh, my God, super hot. She is creeped out as she should be because Art sits at the table across and just keeps looking at her. And Art hits her with this this smile, this creepy smile that made my butthole slam shut. Like, oh my God, creepy as fuck. And he just smiles at her and you just, you can actually see her skin start to crawl. She's like freaking out. Meanwhile, the drunk blonde starts flirting with Art and actually tries hooking up her friend with the guy who looks like the homicidal killer. Like, this is not a Dahmer thing. Like, Dahmer didn't look like a sociopath. This motherfucker looked like a sociopath, and the drunk blonde is trying to hook her friend up with him. And the pizza shop owner is, he knows what's going on. Like, this is in the middle of, like, Philadelphia. Like, he has seen some crazy shit. And he comes out, serves them their pizza, and he's telling them, like, hey, do you guys, are you okay? Do you want me to throw this guy out? Because he knows. And they're just like, no, no, he's fine. Art gets up, goes to use the bathroom, and next thing you see, the pizza shop owner throwing this guy out. Like, just picked him up, threw him out. Art had a trash bag full of shit. Throws his shit out with him. Come to find out, Art shit all over the bathroom. Like, it looked like a chili factory exploded in the bathroom. That's how bad it was. So this guy throws Art the Clown out. The girls decide, okay, you know what? We're sober enough now. Let's go back to the car and drive home. And they get back to the car, and it's the blonde's car, and her tire's flat. Her tire's flat, so now they can't escape. Because Art saw what car they were driving. All right, give me a second. I'm going to open up IMDb here. Uh, Hot brunette will now be referred to as Tara. Drunk blonde will now be referred to as Dawn. Okay, so they get back to the car, and Dawn's tire is flat. So Tara decides, hey, I'm going to call my sister, Victoria, and tell her I need a ride. So where do, you, where do you wait for your sister? You wait for her in the car. And apparently the sister is like 30 minutes away. So yeah, Victoria, your sister and her drunk friend are going to be dead by the time you get there. Just I, I've seen this type of movie. Let's just 
let's call it what it is. Tara has to pee because when you're drunk as shit, peeing is inevitable. It's yeah, you're going to have to pee and you're gonna have to pee at the most inopportune time. Can't go back to the pizza place because art shit all over the bathroom. She finds this, what looked like a closed down apartment building because there's a fumigation guy who came out to have a cigarette and she goes in and asks to use the bathroom. He's like, well, I can't because I'm going to fumigate the whole place. And Tara being the hot brunette says, please. And bats her eyes. And the exterminator who happens to be out at fucking one in the morning for some reason says, okay, lets her use the bathroom. He takes her in to the apartment building, walks her to the bathroom, leaving drunk blonde in the, in the car by herself. We both know where this is going, don't we? Yeah, we do. All right. Fumigation guy leaves Tara in the bathroom by herself and he starts spraying the apartment building. Tara comes out of the bathroom and as she comes out, as she's about to walk through the front door, there's Art and the door has been chained and padlocked. Where he had the chain and padlock? No fucking clue, but he had it. Tara sees him, freaks the fuck out. She starts running. We now have a cat and mouse game through a locked apartment. And the fumigation guy, of course, is wearing headphones so he can't hear the blood curdling screams of the woman about to be brutally murdered. Art finally catches Tara. He straps her to a chair. He zip ties her to this chair. He then goes and kills the fumigation guy for no apparent reason other than the fact that he was in the building. Comes back. Tara is strapped down to a chair. There is a curtain hanging in the basement of this apartment building. And here's the scene, folks. Oh my God, here is the scene. This is, anyone who's seen this movie knows the hacksaw scene. Art walks in. Now, let me, again, tangent, Art hasn't said a word hasn't said a word, hasn't uttered a sound this entire movie, which makes him creepy as shit. That's what made this, beside the fact he's dressed like a clown, I am not, I do not have a clown phobia. I know a lot of people who do. I dated a woman who was deathly afraid of clowns. I get it. I get it. And when I saw Art the Clown, I went, yep, yeah, okay. There were people who shit themselves in the theater. I guarantee you when they saw Art. Back to the hacksaw scene. Tara is zip tied down to this chair. Art has a curtain that is hanging from the ceiling of this of this basement, like a hokey Vegas stage magician. Like the curtain is just hanging there, and Art just tugs on the curtain, and there's Dawn, wearing nothing but a thong and boots. Art let her keep her boots on. I will say that because apparently it was cold. But this woman is wearing nothing but a thong and boots that happen to match because this woman planned out her outfit for the evening. Art takes a hacksaw and he basically cuts Dawn in half from basically from her crotch to her chin. Just straight cuts this woman in two. It is one of the most horrific things. Oh my God. I was sitting there and I'm just like, uh, oh, oh, we're going here. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm laughing at this woman who just got cut in twine, but you have to see the scene. This was serious. Here's what made me laugh. Here is what absolutely made me laugh about this scene. 
is, as I put it, Dawn is hanging upside down by her ankles, naked except for a black thong and black boots. And at one point, Art grabs a thong and rips it off because apparently that was going to prevent him from hacksawing this woman in, in, in half completely. Like, I don't know what it was about the bulletproof thong she was wearing. She had to be completely naked in order to be cut in half. If that that is so 80s slasher movie, moving on. But the hacksaw scene in this is just, oh my God. Oh my, you know what, folks? I'm going to leave it there because if you haven't seen this movie, I'm not going to spoil any more for you. I guess I should have said spoiler warning maybe like eight minutes ago. That probably would have been a better move. But hey, spoiler warning from here on out from anything else I'm talking about. Terrifier is a fantastic just slasher movie. It is gory as shit, which I tend to not like gory movies. I'm not offended by them. I'm not scared of them. It's just I'm not eight years old. I know how special effects work. So if you show me something gory, it's not scary to me. It really isn't. But the way this actor portrayed... uh, What's the actor's name? Let me... David Howard Thornton. David Howard Thornton, much respect, sir, because the way you played Art the Clown, creepy as shit, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So that's Terrifier. I'm going to let you guys, I'm going to let you watch it for yourself. I'm not going to spoil any more of it. Um, I do need to check out Terrifier 2 because apparently that only had a limited run. Here's how stupid I am. The, the Terrifier 2 had a limited run. Apparently it only ran for like one week, like the second week of October, but it hasn't hit streaming yet. And my dumb ass was going to watch one and two because I had nothing else to do. And I was in the mood to binge horror movies. Watch one, spent 45 minutes looking for two, forgot that I had the Just Watch app, looked it up, not streaming anywhere. I'm stupid. So anyway, highly recommend Terrifier if you're into slasher flicks and I, I would definitely put that one on your, on your watch list. So that was Terrifier. Closing this out, I got to watch again. I, I was in the mood to binge horror movies and about two weeks ago, my job gave me, I don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but they gave me four consecutive days off. I got really excited because I thought I was fired. It was awesome. I had like Saturday, Sunday off of one week and then they gave me Monday, Tuesday off of the following week. So I had a four day weekend and I was seriously getting my hopes up that they had finally fired me. So my four days off, I did nothing but binge watch horror movies and read comics. I was like a 12 year old. It was great. And I wanted to, here's something I hadn't, I hadn't done yet. It was to go back and watch the 2018 Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. I've seen the first one. As a matter of fact, the first one is actually playing on my TV right now. I wanted something playing in the background while I was doing a Halloween podcast. So Halloween, the 1978 original Jamie Lee Curtis is playing on my TV right now. But I had not seen the 2018 Halloween remake And I realized that there was Halloween, Halloween kills, Halloween ends, and I'm in the mood to binge watch. 
I watched these fucking movies till four, five o'clock in the morning. It was fantastic. Self-care is important for all of us, and this is mine, folks. This was great. Now, if you're like me and you cannot watch a, you can't watch a franchise unless you start from the beginning. I'm like that. Don't don't jump me in the middle of a franchise. No, I need to go back and watch all of it. If you're like me, you can watch the original 1978 Halloween. There are nine sequels and remakes between 1978 and 2017. Fucking nine of them. These three movies erased all of those. So, for those of you people who love the word canon, oh, well, it's canon now. Well, okay, if you love canon, fuck you. But, if you're one of those people, you can now watch the original 1978 Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis. You can then jump to the 2018, 2019, 2022, there you go. It They retconned it into four movies. Boom. Great. And that's what I did. Halloween 2018 just retconned the entire story of Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode survived the first movie and she went straight Sarah Connor. She got herself a compound. She bought her some land. She started stockpiling weapons. She basically turned into a doomsday prepper. She, she knew in this movie, she was so traumatized by her encounter, her initial encounter with uh, Michael Myers 40 years ago. She knew this fucker was coming back. She knew it was only a matter of time. So she spent 40 years she bought a compound. She tricked it out like this. This this house of hers would have survived a zombie apocalypse or the purge. That I mean, she had electric fences. She had shooting ranges. She had lights. She had cameras. She was not screwing around, and she went out every day shooting. She was an expert marksman. She raised her daughter, who was played by Judy Greer. I love Judy Greer. I love Judy Greer and everything she's ever done, but I, like I've said before, I'm a dumbass, and when I read the credits, I thought Pam Greer was her daughter, and I went, okay, let's see how this goes. We've established I'm stupid. Judy Greer, not Pam Greer. There's a slight difference. So Judy Greer plays uh, Laurie Strode's daughter, and she thinks her mom's nuts. She knows something bad happened to her mom, but she doesn't fully wrap her head around how bad it was and she thinks her mom is absolutely just batshit crazy and I guess when uh, Lori's daughter was 12 what was Lori's daughter's name? Again, let me check IMDB because I don't do show prep Judy Greer played Karen okay, how did I, not, how did I forget Karen? what the fuck? so Judy's, Judy? Lori, Lori's daughter Karen was taken from Lori when when uh, the daughter was 12 and she never got her back because well really hard for child services to look the other way when you're you know teaching your kid how to fight off a serial killer yeah you know weapons training doesn't go real well with uh child services they they kind of frown on that so the daughter was taken away Lori never got custody of her daughter they still had contact obviously but karen grew up thinking her mom was just fucking nuts and Lori kept saying, he's coming back. He's coming back. So Karen thinks her mom's nuts. Karen has a daughter named Allison. Allison thinks her grandmother's fucking nuts. 
and then it happens. You have these two true crime podcasters, fucking podcasters are always, they're always getting in the way. These true crime podcasters who visit Michael Myers in the mental institution. Oh, spoiler warning. Not going to fuck that up this time. They visit him in the mental institution and he is standing in the middle of the yard. He's chained to like this 800 pound concrete block, which I don't think I, I seriously don't think is legal. I, I don't, I think any hospital in the, in the, in the country would have been nailed with some kind of lawsuit over this, but fuck it. Let's go with it. And these true crime podcasters are trying to interview Michael Myers and Michael will not even acknowledge their existence. And somehow one of these podcasters, a guy and a girl, he pulls out, I, I he pulls out the Michael Myers mask. Cause apparently he got it from the assistant district attorney. Cause apparently district attorneys just hand out evidence. Yeah, that's fucking that. That's a, that's a piece of evidence in the case that I don't know why the DA just, here you go. You can have this, but he pulls out the mask and everybody, every other mental patient in the yard sees the mask and proceed to lose their collective shit. Michael, on the other hand, doesn't move. He doesn't acknowledge him. He doesn't even, I mean, you don't even know if he know if he, if he, is he ignoring them? Is he just in his own universe? Has he dis disassociated? I have no idea. And so the podcasters went, ah, screw it. He's not, yeah, we didn't get anything out of him. And they leave. And for some apparent reason, they decide to load, the hospital decides to load Michael Myers and 16 other patients onto this bus and transport them somewhere else. I don't know why. He was already in a mental health, uh, he was already in a mental health prison. I don't know why they decided to transfer him somewhere else, but they did. I guess because that would make it easier for him to escape and, and, you know, we wouldn't have a movie unless Michael Myers escaped. So, as we put it, Michael Myers escapes, tracks down the True Crime podcasters, just fucking obliterates them, and then goes into their car and gets his mask back. It's the only time I've ever seen Michael Myers in the daytime. No, I guess, no, we had the shots. Hey, look, here it is on my TV. No, he's standing right here in the date. I'm an idiot. But there was just something creepier about seeing this fucking guy in full sunlight. Like, normally, obviously, slasher movies, the, the movies are shot dark for a reason. It creates an, an effect. Seeing Michael Myers, all six foot seven, standing in broad daylight, I almost shit myself. I'm like, oh my god. He comes back into Haddonfield. He starts killing people on Halloween, because apparently that's the only day of the year he can kill people. And he is tracked down by the, um, oh, what was the cop's name? Will Patton played Officer Hawkins. Hawkins? Hawkins. Will Patton, who I love, but Will Patton always plays a cop. Will Patton, he's Officer Hawkins. He's basically one of the first responders to the original Michael Myers killings. And he tracks down uh, Michael's new doctor because Loomis is dead. Unfortunately, we lost the actor. He tracks down Michael Myers' new doctor and they begin looking for this guy. 
They track him down. They find him. And Will Patton, he's not fucking around. He's like, I think they hit, they hit him with a car. I think they hit Michael Myers with a car. And Will Patton's like, nope, not doing this shit again. He pulls his service revolver and he's about to unload it into Michael's face. When Michael Myers' doctor just, no, 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 we, we needed to get him back into custody. And Will Patton's like, nope, haven't you seen the sequels? This guy's going to keep fucking killing unless we kill him right now. The doctor stabs Will in the neck and then takes Michael Myers to Laurie Strode's compound. This doctor is convinced that Michael needs to purge the fixation on Laurie Strode so that I, I guess it's to help him heal. I don't know how, I don't know how, how taking your patient to kill uh, this person helps him heal. I have no idea, but that's what they did. Oh my God. This now becomes, like I said, Laurie Strode is straight Sarah Connor vibe now. Like she has traps. She has the, she had these roll top doors in each room. So she would clear a room, press a button and this metal like roll top door would drop and she's cutting off rooms so that Michael can't, he can't surprise her. He can't come over behind. And she has this panic room in the kitchen. It's, it's set up to like a garage door opener and you press the button and all of a sudden the island in the middle of the kitchen just it rolls to the left and there's a staircase leading down into Lori's panic room. And Lori has rifles. She has, she's got food. She's got water. She might've had explosives. I'm not entirely sure. She's full on Sarah Connor right now. So I would not shock me if she had like a Claymore mine or two down there. But this movie wraps up with Lori, her daughter and her granddaughter trapping Michael Myers in the panic room. It wasn't a panic room. It was a cage and they got him down there. They escaped. Lori pulls this lever and these metal bars just extend and they seal off the entrance. There's only one entrance in and out of this panic room. Michael Myers comes down. They escape lever pulled the bars extend and it's now a cage. And Lori pulls it. She, she, again, she's got this whole thing tricked out, hits a few switches and the house starts filling with gas. And Lori just says, goodbye, Michael takes a road flare, lights this bitch, throws it down there and burns the entire compound down with Michael Myers in it. And that's how the first movie ends. Is it over? Fuck. No, it's not over. This is Michael goddamn Myers. The second movie, Halloween Kills, starts right where the first one left. Lori was injured. She was stabbed. Lori's daughter, Karen, and Allison, the granddaughter, are taking Lori to the hospital as fire trucks, as first responders are coming to put the fire out. They have no idea that Michael Myers is barbecuing down in the basement. They have no idea. So they're trying to put this fire out. The floor in the kitchen collapses, and there's Michael. Michael kills the firefighter, climbs out of the hole in the kitchen, proceeds to kill the entire fire, uh, firefighting battalion, kills the entire one. Lori is being taken to the hospital. Karen and Allison are worried that she's going to die. And here is where 
shit hits the fan because this town of Haddonfield, Illinois, they're freaked the fuck out. They know of the Michael Myers story. They know of the killings 40 years ago. Apparently, Michael Myers has now become the boogeyman in this town. And everybody in the town old enough to remember this shit gets together at a bar to remember the killings. And you've got four people there who survived the original attack. They're all telling their stories. And you have Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. Yes, Rusty from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. He's there. And he starts just whipping these people into a frenzy. Because the rumors are out now that Michael escaped and he's back in Haddonfield. And so... Anthony Michael Hall is just whipping this town into a frenzy and they start a chant, evil dies tonight, evil dies tonight. And anytime you get a room full of drunks chanting, nothing good can happen after that. And they're just chanting, evil dies tonight. And so these fuckers basically organize into a lynch mob and they went out to hunt Michael Myers because apparently they haven't seen any of the other nine movies and realize this is not going to end well. They went out and they end up going to the hospital. Because remember, in the first movie, in the 2018 Halloween, Michael's already attacked like five or six people, end up in the hospital. So this entire lynch mob ends up in the hospital and they're questioning, trying to find out where he's at. And just like any other group of just terrified human beings, they start freaking out and they see one of the other escapees from the mental institution and they're like there he is that's Michael Myers you dumb shits you absolute dumb shits because Michael Myers is like 6'6", 6'7", 280 pounds this other mental uh, mental patient escape mental patient is like 5'2", it's literally like mistaking Arnold Schwarzenegger for Danny DeVito. That's exactly what this looked like. But this poor guy is terrified and he's running for his life. The, ho the hospital has been locked down so he can't get out. And he has like 30 or 40 terrified, drunk ass people chasing him thinking he's Michael Myers. And at one point, this guy just says, screw it. He takes, he gets up to like the fifth floor of the hospital. He realizes these people are going to tear him apart anyway. So he grabs a fire extinguisher, spoiler, spoiler warning, puts the fire extinguisher through the window of the fifth floor, sixth floor, whatever he's on. And this guy jumps. He jumps. I have never seen a jumper in any movie explode when he hit the concrete like this guy did. This guy hit the ground and it was like a water balloon full of meat. It just everywhere. And you have the group, they go down and, and there's one, um, there's another sheriff's deputy who was there, the original. It's not Will Patton because Will Patton got stabbed in the neck. This other guy, he's like, that's not him. It's not Michael. And Anthony Michael Hall goes, well, how do you know? He always wore a mask. Well, how the fuck did you know it was him if Michael always wore a mask, you dumbass? And the cop tells Anthony Michael Hall, he says, look what he's done to us. Michael Myers has turned us into monsters. So let's go ahead and we'll smash cut to the end of the movie. The town folk, the lynch mob, 
they've lured Michael out in the open and it's seriously 20 on one and they proceed to beat Michael Myers ass with baseball bats with crowbars one lady stabbed him like in the back right above the the shoulder blade and of course this is a Michael Myers movie so Michael proceeds to fucking kill all 20 of these people just destroys these bastards and then he slinks off into a manhole like into a into like a, a a storm drain and that's where the movie ends and i went what the shit hold on we got one more movie okay so this is the empire strikes back we still have the return of the jedi version of this because there's a trilogy and the last one's called halloween end so this has got to be it right okay I don't know what this fucking movie was, folks. I have no idea what Halloween Ends is. <sighs> Halloween Ends starts with a flashback to the 80s, and you have this guy named Corey. And Corey was this high school kid who somehow ends up babysitting for this rich family, this rich couple, and their shitty fucking kid I don't even remember what the kid's fucking name was, but fuck that kid. The rich couple, again, they have a Halloween party. Like, I guess the husband's, like, company party or something. The couple goes to the party. They had they had to get a uh, babysitter last minute. Corey was the babysitter. I don't know one married couple that would have a male babysitter. I don't know why that is, but anyway. And Corey is watching the kid. The mom said... Do not let him watch any horror movies. Don't let him watch anything scary. He freaks out easy and leaves. So what does Corey do? He lets the little bastard watch John Carpenter's The Thing. Because the kid was being a little shithead and let's watch a horror movie. Let's watch a horror movie. No, your mom said not to watch. I said let's watch a more horror movie, you pussy. Like, that's how shitty this kid was. So the babysitter's like, all right, fuck it. Let him watch a fucking horror movie. I don't care. Not only does he let him watch a horror movie, he lets him watch John Carpenter's The Thing. You are trying to give a kid nightmares. You are trying to put that little bastard to therapy if you let him watch The Thing. Oh my god. Anyway, the kid's being a little shithead. And he, like, he tells, he tells the babysitter, he tells Corey, I hate you. You are the worst babysitter ever. I hate you. And Corey's just like, you know what? Take your monkey ass to sleep. Shut up. And the kid goes up. He goes into like, this is like a three-story house. And they have this winding staircase that just goes up all three stories. And so this little bastard goes up to the top floor, goes into like, opens a door to like the attic. And he keeps calling down to the babysitter. Hey, Corey, look what I found. Hey, Corey, come here. Hey, Corey. So Corey goes up there and he's had it. He's straight done with this little shit goes into the attic and this little bastard closes and locks the door behind Corey, locking his babysitter into the, the, the attic space. Corey starts to freak out. I don't know if he's claustrophobic. I don't know if he's afraid of the dark. I'm not entirely sure, but Corey starts to lose his shit and he starts banging on the door. Let me out. Open the door. The kids on the other end laughing his ass off. This little bastard was only like seven or eight. And he's just laughing, like, are you scared? Are you scared? And Corey's freaking out. Meanwhile, cut to the driveway. The parents are coming back from the party. 
So they're about to walk in. You're thinking, okay, they're going to walk in. They're going to see Corey locked in the attic. They're going to open up, and Corey's going to be, like, in the fetal position, like, tears in his eyes, snot running out of his nose, and he may or may not have shit himself. Like, that's what I'm expecting to see. All right. Finally, Corey grows a set, and Corey straight kicks the door open. He just turns into, like, LAPD SWAT, kicks the fucking door open. As the parents are walking through the front door, the attic door gets kicked open, hits the kid in the face, knocks this little bastard over the rail of the third story. This kid drops three stories, lands at his mom's feet, and you just hear this blood-curdling scream. The babysitter just killed your kid in front of you. It was an accident, but still, the babysitter just killed your kid. That was a flashback to the 80s. Smash cut to present day. Corey has been in a in a mental health facility because, well, he killed somebody. And Haddonfield, Illinois is basically like Bakersfield. It's small as shit and everyone knows your business. So everybody knows Corey as the kid murderer. And for some reason, this bastard stayed in this town. Everyone knows Corey as the kid murderer. And so everyone doesn't want to, nobody wants to talk to him. Nobody wants to hang around him. He's the crazy, you know, he's the, he's the crazy kid who fucking killed somebody 20 years ago, whatever. And so Corey ends up with this shit job at like an auto salvage yard that's owned by his stepdad. And he rides a bike everywhere because I wouldn't trust somebody who's probably on medication behind the wheel of a car. And he rides his bike to this gas station and there's more shitty kids. There are these four high school fucking shits that I wanted dead. As soon as I met them, I wanted them dead. And they see Corey coming out and they play Hey Mister. We've all played Hey Mister. When you're in high school and you see the creepy guy coming out of the uh, liquor store. Hey Mister, can you, can you buy us, you know, a case of beer? That's what they do to Corey. And Corey says, no, I'm, I'm not going to buy you beer. Because Corey's crazy. He's not stupid. And they recognize him. These fucking high school kids recognize him. And as I said, high school these high school kids are just... Oh, my God. I wanted him dead. Because they immediately start just harassing Corey. Oh, hey, I know you. Aren't you the guy that killed that kid? So what? You can kill a kid, but you're, you're too good to buy us beer? How those two are connected, I have no idea. But... Again, shitty high school kids, and I wanted them dead. Oh, and then one guy. Oh, so you like little kids? Is that your thing? Do you fuck little kids too? All right, stop. This is this is the creepy guy, right? This is the creepy, crazy guy. And you know for a fact he's killed before. Does provoking him make sense? I mean, honestly. That, again, this is, why, this is one of the reasons I wanted these kids dead. And keep in mind, this is a this is a Halloween movie. Have not seen Michael Myers. We are 45 minutes in this fucking movie, and Michael Myers has not made an appearance, not a mention, nothing. But these four high school kids are just fucking with Corey outside this liquor store. And all of a sudden you hear a you hear a door close and you hear Laurie Strode say, basically told the kids to fuck off. And of course these are shitty high school kids, so like, oh hey, check it out. The creep show and the freak show. And they're, you know, haha, they made a funny and they get to walk off. 
And Lori looks at Corey and says, so are you freak show or creep show? Which one are you? And Lori pulls out a switchblade, opens the blade up and says, do you want to do it or should I? And proceeds to slash these little fuckers tires. I went, hell yes. Hell yeah. But for some reason, Lori decides that Corey, the creepy kid who's killed somebody, um, you know what? I'm going to hook him up with my granddaughter. I'm going to hook him up with Allison because Allison needs a man. I don't know why you'd hook her up with, you know, the, the kid who killed somebody. But anyway, introduces these two. They hit it off. Allison and Corey getting along great. They go to a bar and now they're not getting along that great because they get into an argument and Corey decides that's it. I'm walking home. He's walking home, and who does he run into? The four shitty fucking high school kids. And they stop him. They're on this bridge. They're stopping him, and they jump out. And the the lead shithead, the one who owns the car, I know you slashed my tires. And Corey's not giving a fuck. He's like, whatever. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, what? You're too good to talk to us? Here we go again with the too good shit. These kids start fucking with Corey. Corey decides, screw it. He starts throwing punches, but there's four of them. And the lead shithead ends up throwing Corey off the bridge. There is seriously like a 30, 40 foot drop to the, to the ground below. And two of the shitheads look at the lead shithead and they're just like, you fucking killed him. You, you fucking killed him. He's like, uh, he jumped. He jumped. No, no, he didn't jump. They saw you throw this fucking guy off a bridge. But the lead shithead is like, nope, he jumped and that's my story. And they get in, they drive off. Camera pans back over the rail and now Corey's gone. Corey crawls into a storm drain. See where this is going? Apparently, Michael Myers is living in the sewer system like a Ninja Turtle. He's just in the sewers, hasn't come out for over a year. Corey runs into Michael Myers, and it's Michael Myers. He grabs Corey by the throat, and right before he snaps Corey's neck, he looks into his eyes, and he sees evil. Yes, I said that, folks. He fucking saw evil. That's why I said I don't know what this movie is. I have no idea what this movie is. Because... He grabs Corey by the throat. He doesn't kill him because he sees evil in his soul. And so he lets Corey live. As the movie progresses, Corey gets more and more unhinged. He does kill those four fucking high school kids. I will give him that. He, oh, destroyed those little bastards. It was awesome. He also killed his mom and he killed... Allison's boss. Allison was working for a doctor's office. He killed the doctor. He happened to kill the nurse that the doctor was banging. He lost his shit. Corey straight lost his shit, but at one point goes back into the sewer system, gets into a fist fight with Michael Myers and steals Michael's mask. And now Corey is now the new Michael Myers. Again, folks, I have no idea what this movie was. I have no clue. But Lori, Lori knows evil when she sees it. And she starts noticing that Corey, yes, Lori and Corey, I just made that connection too. 
Lori notices that Corey has darkness in him, and she's seen this darkness before. Yes, I'm getting overly dramatic with this because this is funny as shit. And she starts warning her granddaughter, he's evil. I've seen this before. And Allison, the granddaughter, asks a very good question. Why'd you introduce me to him in the first place then? Lori doesn't have a good question. Lori does not have a good answer for this. She does not. And by this point, Allison is in love with Corey. They have planned to run off together because eloping with a psychopath, what, what could go wrong there? You know, when you leave the town you grew up in to go marry a psychopath, why not? You know, it, you know what? In this movie, it doesn't, it's not any crazier than the rest of this fucking movie. So let's roll with it, folks. Michael decides before he can run off with Allison, he really needs to kill her grandmother. Hey, when you have a list of shit to do, you got to get the shit done before you go. But are we forgetting Allison's grandmother is Laurie Strode, who has gone full Sarah Connor in these movies. She saw him coming and she beat the living shit out of him. And she beats his ass, doesn't kill him. And he decides, oh, okay, I'm going to kill myself and frame you for my murder. And he just stabs himself in the neck with a steak knife. And just as he stabs himself in the neck, he dies. Lori pulls the knife out of his neck. And that's when the granddaughter walks in and sees her grandmother standing over her dead boyfriend holding a kitchen knife. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. So this is over, right? Movie's over? Fuck no, it's not over. Because Michael Myers came back to get his mask. I don't know how he knew where to find the mask. I can't remember. Like I said, it was 5 o'clock in the morning. This damn thing was done. But we now have the final showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. And I'm going to say, this fight scene was great. Laurie whooped Michael's ass. And I will say this. I will say that Laurie whooped his ass, but... Michael still got his ass beat by the town folk from the movie before. So we're not looking at Michael Myers 100%. But I swear, Laurie Strode went straight, fuck around and find out on Michael Myers. She knocks him up. Basically, she knocks him onto the kitchen island. So he's laying on the kitchen island. She pulls the refrigerator over and it pins his legs down. His legs are pinned down by a fully stocked refrigerator. She takes a kitchen knife, slams it through his left shoulder. So he is now pinned to the kitchen island. Like you would, remember the kids who, remember the, the weird kids who used to collect bugs and pin them to like cork boards? That's what she's doing to Michael Myers. She then slits Michael Myers' throat. She takes his right arm, the only arm that's free, and she takes the kitchen knife down the forearm. So Michael Myers is now bleeding to death on her kitchen floor. And that's how Michael dies. Laurie Strode, finally, it took 43 fucking years, but she finally kills Michael Myers in her kitchen. Police show up. I don't remember how the town folks show up, but the entire town is outside of Laurie's house. And they finally get to see that Michael Myers is dead. But they're not taking any chances. They, again, there have been nine movies before this. It's never worked before. These people are not fucking around. And you just hear the sheriff saying, 
that's not how we do things in this town. And the mayor goes, it is tonight. These people take Michael Myers' body. They strap it to the top of a station wagon. They drive the body in this slow, like, really creepy funeral procession. There is seriously, I mean, there's police escorts. There is a line of cars, like, 20 deep. You have every adult in the town. They're just slowly walking toward the auto salvage yard. And you know those big-ass machines that just, they have the wheels that crush cars and junk and debris? They put Michael Myers' body in this thing, and they reduced it to, to red jello. This just looked like it was pudding. Michael Myers was just, it looked like strawberry pudding by the time it was done. Meaning this is going to be the last Halloween movie. Uh, there's just no way to bring this fucker back. Yeah. That was the Halloween trilogy, folks. I... Oh, that was a ride. That... That was a ride. And that's how it ends. That is going to be how it ends until Rob Zombie decides, fuck this, we're making a new Michael Myers movie. Yeah. So... Hold on, I need a breath. That I was actually kind of bummed. I was a little bummed that this franchise is now done. And Jamie Lee Curtis has said in interviews that we put it to bed. This is how we wrap the story up. And yeah, no more Halloween movies. So check it out, folks. I, If I were you, I would, I would definitely watch the original 1978 Halloween movie. You can skip two through nine and come back to the 2018 Halloween and then Halloween kills and Halloween ends. And, uh, yeah, that, that was it. And with that, I'm going to close this show out, but I want to give you some advice for Halloween. It's Halloween weekend. I want you guys to stay safe, but I want you to remember this. Nobody is trying to give your kids edibles. All right. Those shits are expensive. Nobody's handing that shit out to your kids. Knock it off. All right. But Greg, I saw the picture on Facebook. There was a Skittles bag full of fentanyl. No shit. He was smuggling it, you dumbass. Did you notice the hand holding the Skittles bag had a rubber glove on it? Yeah. Who puts on rubber gloves to check their kid's candy? All right? Stop being such a dumbass. Nobody is handing out drugs to your kid. Those shits are expensive. All right? But, but Greg, I, I don't let my kids eat anything that's homemade or unwrapped. Shut up. All right. In six weeks, it's going to be Christmas and you're going to be buying tamales from the 70 year old Mexican lady outside the Walmart. Fucking I'm not going to let my kids eat anything homemade. Shut up. Stop being a dumbass. And with that, I'm going to close out the show. <laughs> that might have been a little rough, but I'm going to close out the show. And uh, I am Greg Hernandez, the Ninja Nerd Warrior. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok. I've actually started posting shit on TikTok. I know. I'm shocked, too. If you like the show, uh, recommend it to your friends. You can also find me on... You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, or you can go straight to the source. Oh, I forgot. Amazon Music and Audible. Uh, that's new. I'm not used to that one. Yeah, you can find the podcast on all forms of anywhere you get your favorite podcast from, or you can go straight to NinjaNerdWarriorPodcast.com. Recommend it to your friends. Review it. Give me five stars. I'd really appreciate it. And with that, 
Have a happy Halloween, folks, and I will see you later. Don't wanna be buried in a pet cemetery.